listening to Giving a Fuck is the New Black, and I'm your host, Joe Lorenz. Join me and my guests each episode as we endeavor to give several serious fucks and discuss climate change, intersectionality, conscious lifestyle, politics, and of course, sustainability. Up until now, efforts to tackle the climate crisis have very heavily focused on a transition to clean and renewable energy. But is that enough? Well, according to the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, although a transition to renewables is crucial, it will actually only address about 55% of global emissions. The remaining 45% of emissions currently comes from what we're already producing within the linear economy. That is the unsustainable economy, which simply takes, it makes, and then it disposes of our natural resources. This 45% includes the linear economy clothes, the food, the cars, and all the other crap that we're producing every day, and it simply cannot be ignored. Now, let's hone in on the fashion part of that 45%. Fast fashion is obviously a modern-day problem which follows this take-make-dispose pattern. It enables companies to unethically mass-market and for manufacturers to unsustainably mass-produce, and this mass modern-day massacre comes at a huge cost to both people and planet. So what's the solution to this excessive linear 45%? Well, that's what we're here today to discuss. And without further ado, let me introduce my special guest, Ms. Fanny Moissant. Fanny is president and co-founder of Vestiaire Collective, the leading global platform for desirable pre-owned fashion. And the woman is an undisputed pioneer of circularity. Fanny came up with the idea to launch Vestiaire Collective after she was noticing significant changes in the way that we were actually consuming our fashion. We were buying so, so much more, but actually in the long run possessing so much less. Vestiaire enables conscious people to participate in a sustainable alternative to throwaway fashion, and it gives those of us who give a fuck the opportunity to easily join the circular fashion movement every single day. So welcome, wonderful Fanny, and thank you so much for joining me on Giving a Fuck is the New Black. To kick us off today, can you please begin by explaining Vestiaire in your own words? Vestiaire is an online uh, platform dedicated to uh, secondhand fashion. So basically, uh, I co-created the, the platform 10 years ago with my fellow co-founders in, in Paris. And the first um, aspect was um, fighting the waste we were all uh, facing, basically, in our own wardrobes. So we had the six of us had a uh, amazing items that were lying there um, in our wardrobes and mm. we didn't really know what to do with them. Mm -hmm. So we decided to launch, I mean, to find a solution basically for, for those pieces um, and to launch something that would be like us, something we would love to use, which is something um, e-commerce, but also something social uh, where people can interact and share that kind of um, passion uh, of, of like um, fashion and, and beyond that craftsmanship and so on. And all of this in a very trusted way, uh, because we also experienced back in the day some um, poor e-commerce situations. Um, so we wanted to introduce uh, trust and, and, have, and act as a middleman in between uh, buyers and sellers. So that was the spirit of Bestiaire. And in a simpler version, um, on Vestiaire, you can sell what you no longer wear um, and find uh, treasures that belong to someone else and then were um, loved by someone else and give them a new life. Lovely. Um, 
Is there room for more circular fashion models within the market? Sure. I mean, it's uh, it's already a huge market, um, uh, secondhand. Uh, it used to be in 2019 worth uh, 28 um, billion, and now it's supposed to grow and to double almost for 2023 to 51. So it's wow. a huge market. Mm. Um, of course, there's room for new people. There's room for uh, new ideas, for innovation. I think the more uh, we are in that field, the better, um, because it's going to drive change, basically. Exactly. Uh, which leads me to um, consumerism. Can talk to me a little bit about the link between consumerism and climate change. Sure. I think for me, the link is uh, to look into fast fashion, basically. Uh, mm. if, I make it, uh, if I make it short, there's a statistics that I really love from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, that it's um, during the past, no, since the last 20 years, uh, we've increased significantly. I can't remember the, the, if it's 2x or 3x the amount of um, items we are buying, mm. and we decrease uh, even more. Uh, the number of times we wear those those items. So the, it clearly shows that in the past 20 years, we've been, I would say, over-consuming. And for me, um, it's completely linked to uh, what fast fashion brought, uh, which is basically very low price, um, which enable people to every other day say, oh, well, I want a new T-shirt, I want a new dress, I want a new this and that and that. And right. because it's so affordable... We all became, in a way, consumption junkies. <laughs> so, and it's all about, for me, it became even a, a psychological mechanism. You feel stressed, you feel sad, you feel whatever, you go out and you buy, basically. It's so true. And it's, yeah, and it's, it's to buy instead of to be, in a way. Um, so I think we all need to, when, when you see that and we have, when you have that kind of consumption pace and, and and very little care about what you buy in the end of the day because uh, if you invest in, in quality product and that are obviously a little bit, bit more expensive you'll be you'll have another dimension in your uh, care dimension in your consumption mm. if you just don't care and go for the the, the wild shopping I think it, it starts to become super super uh, bad for the planet because I mean um, I was listening to your podcast uh, earlier and, and the reality of our industry is 80 billion clothes produced every year mm. and 95% thrown out uh, of the, I mean, thrown to the bin every, after only six months of, of usage. Mm. So what's the point? I mean, it's completely uh, throwaway fashion and it makes completely no sense. And at the end of the day, the only thing we are doing here is, is, um, damaging our planet so i think it starts by stopping that uh, crazy pace mm. um, and becoming more conscious very simply yeah absolutely uh the this nature and of just being so temporary is really hurting us and having to have everything now 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 and just slowing down and uh, you know going back to basics a little bit i think will 
will help in our ongoing fight. But looking ahead, I mean, we really need help from kind of big business and government and so forth. So how can business leaders and policymakers and investors build a thriving and resilient economy while playing an essential role in reaching climate targets? Yes, I used to think that it was all in the hands of consumers, but uh, the more I I read and I uh, educate myself on the topic, I think uh, it's really in the hands of our governments. Um, And um, I think the only and the main thing to look um, for and to try to achieve is to, for our governments, uh, is to impose a common standard on measurement, basically, how to measure uh, a product is sustainable or, or is not. If we don't look at the same greed and the same way of measuring, it's going to be impossible because then you open the doors to so many interpretations, so many greenwashing and so on. So I think, and I know, uh, obviously, it's it's quite a, uh, a very difficult project uh, being in, in a global um, well, uh, how can our all our governments or majority of them align on on accepting and, and working on a, on a standard that will then make the whole industry uh, follow um, and and behave? I think a bit more, I mean, way more um, sustainably. Mm. And I would uh, I would love also those uh, governments to make laws about uh, forcing people to recycle, um, banning, I don't know, plastic or bad tax- textile fibers in, in, uh, in our garments, mm. uh, capping also the usage of water in the industry. I mean, there's so many things that can be done mm. uh, from smaller uh, to way bigger uh, actions. I think it's, it's time to, for change. Absolutely. And uh, we need to force their hand because as as we all know, with um, sometimes with big business and policymakers, definitely with our big politicians, that they are very traditional and they like to do what they know has worked in the past. And everything that we have to do hasn't really been done before. So we need to force their hand, which um, is why it's wonderful to have businesses and people like you um, working to do this and just making it more normal for everyone to um, get away from a more linear, traditional way of thinking. So onto that and um, Vestia being such an innovative business to begin with, what are some of the big circular economy innovations you would like to see implemented by these policymakers and some big corporates? Um, I think... um... One thing that I really look up to and that I am really um, happy to see emerging is what's going on in France. I think France mm-hmm. is quite leading the way uh, in terms of, of um, policies. We have um, Brune Poisson in the in the government who's in charge of circularity, who's pushing. She just uh, helped push the anti-waste law uh, recently in, in February. Mm. Uh, which basically uh, has many, many layers. But uh, two examples could be um, the no food waste policy, for example, and the obligation for, let's say, supermarkets to donate mm-hmm. uh, things that are um, not sold or, or slightly out of date, but still uh, good to consume. Um, on the electronic side of things, she they promoted also um, an index of reparability. I don't know if you say repair to uh, an index to 
um, show how much a product could be repaired. Right. If anyhow, uh, it, 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 it's not working anymore. How interesting. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, and I think they are really pushing uh, the boundaries there. And they are working on, the, on our industry. They are working on a project that I really um, uh, think it's, it's a great idea. It's basically for brands and for each product to, at some point later on uh, in, in the next few years, have a, an environmental label. Uh, which would show basically to the consumer how sustainable is your product. Um, and it's based on nine very specific criteria. Um, and it's, it's an open discussion right now in, uh, in France with uh, 70, I think, um, uh, brands and groups in the fashion industry. Mm. And they're studying the project to be able at some point in the next 18 or, or 24 months um, to push it. And I know the European Union is also very um, backing that project. So at some point, we could have uh, in Europe, at least, and I mean, uh, across the world, this kind of uh, environmental label that will really help, I think, uh, the consumer to understand what is he buying and, uh, and how that product has been made, basically. I love it. And um, once again, the French leading fashion forward. I love it very much. <laughs> As a leader in the fashion community, how do you view your role in combating climate change from a creative point of view? I think um, our mission, I mean, since day one at Vestiaire has been to edu on the consumer side uh, to educate. Um, I think we are, we didn't invent anything. We didn't invent secondhand or, or nothing. We made it uh, easy, easier maybe. Uh, inspirational um, and trustworthy. So what we are aiming to do is is uh, welcome more people in this circular um, fashion by just explaining the benefits of it, by telling them simple things such as if you buy more quality, qualitative products, they will have a resale value and then you'll be able to let them go because it's not about... Uh, Circular fashion is not about stopping consumption completely. Mm. It's about buying less, for mm -hmm. sure, uh, but buying better. So it's about telling that story and, 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 again, educating people to say, you know what, you don't need like 20 same pair of, uh, of denim or, or, or that amount. You need to find the one that you really love and you, you really treasure and then uh, let go the rest. Mm. And, uh, and continue celebrating our industry by buying new collections and, and so on, but at, at a slower pace uh, while investing again in, in quality. And I think the more I think about it, the more I think that quality equals sustainability uh, in the end in our world. That's the link. Uh, if a product has been well made and, and respect the environment, that's what we care about. So mm. we have to care about to, to stop our again, throw away fashion and, and, and look back at a new quality definition, which is basically sustainability. Yes, that's exactly right. And you and I have talked before about consumerism and how consumerism itself isn't actually the devil. It's just the way that people consume that is the problem. And I think what I love the most about the circular economy, to coin a phrase, is that you can have your cake and eat it too. I mean, we don't have to stop consuming. It's just, um, you know, changing the way, changing it from an unhealthy habit into something that's actually profiting the planet and people in a positive way. 
that leads back to innovation that you touched on earlier too. I mean, how does a circular approach foster innovation? Because we can't just rely on um, being able to grab whatever we want and make a business. You have to really innovate in inside a circular economy. So how do you think the circular approach fosters innovation? I think for me... What I see the most is um, brands, uh, big brands of luxury or designer brands that are very intrigued uh, and, and looking to that uh, circular economy. Mm. And I think where it should and it will, I hope, foster innovation is them asking themselves the question, what about the second, third, fourth life of my items, the mm. items I produce? So. An item life doesn't stop at the door of the, the, the shop you've been buying it to. It's it's more holistic um, um, journey and, and life of this item. So I think they are all right now wondering, okay, what's next after the door of the shop mm. uh, or, the, or the click on the website? So that should, for me, bring a lot of um, relevant innovation in terms of, uh, again, of sustainability, how... And not only, obviously, but what about, yeah, what about the story? What about the quality? What does it say if my item has been resold massively on, on platform or if I don't find it on platform? I think there's tons of... of uh, oh, I'm sorry, Joe. No problem. <laughs> it's Hong Kong. It happens. <laughs> Someone dreaming, I don't know where. Maybe <laughs> Oh, la, la. I do love that. I miss that about Hong Kong, though. You can be sitting in a perfectly quiet area and and it could be your apartment and two seconds later there'll just be someone drilling literally in the wall beside your head. This is kind of interesting and horrifying, but according to Motif.org, Textile production has become one of the most polluting industries, producing 1.2 billion tonnes of CO2 per year. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, To keep up with this unsustainable level of consumerism, immense pressure is being put on our natural resources, which in turn causes high levels of pollution and includes the use of toxic chemicals and dyes, as well as synthetic fibres, which then seep into our waterways and can consequently into our ocean, which is obviously not good at all. Currently, more than 60% of textiles used in the clothing industry are made in China and India, where the carbon footprint of each and every garment is elevated by the virtue of the fact that it was made in a factory fueled by coal. And when you add on to this the fact that modern slavery chains are used within this mass production model, you can then see that we have a really huge problem that's steeped in modern-day colonialism, resulting in current-day climate change. So with all that delightful fact being given to you, like a punch in the face, I, I wanted to go on and talk a little bit more about the fashion industry en masse. So the fashion industry is very often rightly bashed up for its ties to so many unethical and unsustainable practices. So what do you think we really need to do to the whole entire industry to move it forward? Um, it's a tough question. I mean, I think it's uh, addressing the issue from every side of every stakeholders. Mm. Uh, As we said, the government should really um, 
start working hard on 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 taking strong measures uh the brands should and they are i mean some of them are really uh working hard and 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 trying to change uh but also we need from them transparency we need to understand a bit more uh, and way more uh, where and how the products are uh, made and back to your modern slavery i think mm. The workers in India and in China are the hidden, the, the dirty hidden. It's not even a secret anymore, but no. it's it, it, it's so much. It's for a consumer, it doesn't, it's kind of hidden in a way because no one or barely anyone really realized at the end of the day. So we need to make those uh, and to, to celebrate those people first, because without them, nothing. I mean, our industry would not be what it is. Mm. And we need to to um, I mean, to realize that at the end of the day, when you're paying two pounds or two euros for a T-shirt, there's someone um, paying with his life. Uh, mm. So we need to be way more conscious about it and i love the the, the fashion revolution uh, who made my clothes campaign because at the end of the day you you see those people you realize you connect with them at a human level um so that needs to be also a transparency effort and and not just uh push to the the, the those countries the the, the labor uh, problem um and then, yes, consumer needs to take their own responsibility also at the end of the day. That's why uh, this kind of innovation on the environmental labels uh, that France is working on, I think, really makes sense because it, it's, the aim is to align everybody in the, in the supply chain down to the consumer. So um, it's having a, a virtual, uh, uh, how do you say that, uh, virtuous uh, circle. Mm. Um, and, and to really drive the change because that's the only way for one. I agree. And uh, just you mentioned the fashion revolution and the who made my clothes. It always brings me back to an example that I use that you can go to your friend's house for a dinner party and someone will ask, oh, where's the wine from? Oh, it's from France or it's from Australia. And someone will ask where the cheese is from. Someone asks where the meat is from, where the vegetables are from. But if you ask the host where the T-shirt or the shirt on his back is from, he has no idea. They will have no idea about how it was made, who made it and all the rest of it. And that's why, yeah, campaigns such as Who Made My Clothes and the work that Ursula and Carrie are doing there is invaluable because it really does make people go, oh, hold on, holy shit, I have no idea where it's made, how it's made. And it brings that to light, which is invaluable. If we are talking about circularity across the whole board, uh, how... How can a circular consumer approach improve a person's, I guess, um, sense of well-being and enable a slower and more conscious lifestyle? I think you, the way, I mean, for preaching it and, and living by it, um, I think having a circular, uh, adopting at least a circular fashion system uh, personally makes you realize so many things um, that first the joy of letting go uh, and mm. and back to our um, friend, uh, what's her name again, uh, the Netflix uh, series, Marie, Marie Kondo, yeah. <laughs> in, in, a, in a good way, but uh, 
I think it, it really brings joy to um, go back to a more minimalism uh, way of living. Mm. Um, and that needs to be done once and then uh, start consu- consuming uh, more consciously. Uh, so it's it's making you feel lighter at the end of the day. Mm. And I've always had a very, very light, uh, as, as in... Uh, small wardrobe mm-hmm. but I think it also simplify our lives because every morning who has time to wander uh, amongst uh, like 45 uh, pair of um, again trousers or mm-hmm. 45 uh, dresses which one to wear I mean it makes life so easier not to be completely uh, underwhelmed under clothes right. and and it's also drive the cursor I mean the, the index on on more quality you have less so what you have need to be again bringing joy and and making you happy on a daily basis when you pick those items um because you have less choice by mm-hmm. definition um and then it starts to educate yourself to quality so yes this fabric uh, when i use it and when i wear it it, it falls super well on the body and, and the shape is amazing and so on so I think it opened the eyes exactly as uh, food would. I mm. think I have, I'm, I'm a big foodie and I think <laughs> you taste, I mean, when you taste a good chicken or a good egg, uh, it has nothing to do with a supermarket uh, egg that I've been traveled the world and so on. So I think slowly when you come back to rationals uh, and you feel um, what clothes are uh, bringing you and, and again, there's a, a beautiful fabric, uh, a beautiful cut. I think it, it makes the whole uh, consumption cycle and the whole uh, individual more conscious. Mm. And in that respect, it triggers uh, better and better behaviors towards uh, new new stuff, new new uh, purchases. I mean, I'm incapable now to go in a whatever. Uh, fast fashion store and to even by touching the fabric it makes me sick mm. in a way and I'm like how on earth can someone even buy that sweater because it's just disgusting the material is disgusting how would you want to wear that it, it should fall like really poorly on, on your body and mm. then obviously in, in a few weeks uh, it's going to be completely ruined so I think it's yeah, it's education of uh, of taste and and looking up to a, a better behavior. I agree, and you know, if you have forty five dresses and time to go through forty five dresses in the morning, you've got too much time on your hands. <laughs> now, I also remember when we first met, you had a wonderful tip. Actually, it was I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but you turn your hangers around the other way. Oh, yes. Can you share that, please? That's for, I mean, I don't do it anymore because I, I'm, I'm really aware of what I wear and what I don't. But for beginners um, in circular fashion, what you can do if you don't know what to, what to let go. Basically, the problem is how to declutter your wardrobe. Many women uh, or men don't know where to start. And my tip in that respect is, you know what, at the beginning of a season, you you turn all your hangers in the same way because they always have um, a shape. Mm. So if they're all in the same way, um, then you stop living and wearing what you wear. 
And every time you wear something, you would turn it uh, the other way. You would turn the hanger the other way. Right. So you have them kind of hung up the wrong way at the beginning of the season. Exactly. And then at the end of the season, you just basically by looking at what you, what the, how many hangers have been turned or not, mm. uh, you, you end up by uh, realizing how many stuff you have that you never wear. I love it. Um, and, and, and that stuff you just let go because it's going to be way more um, spaceful and, and you're going to gain money for that um, and your your mind will be also way clearer so that's a, a good tip for beginners definitely that's a great tip thank you okay let's imagine you are having lunch with a climate denier what do you tell them I mean, I would tell them to look at the sky and, uh, I mean, especially if you live in, uh, in, in Asia, in Hong Kong, look at the sky and at the sea of the, the, the water. Mm. Uh, now, I mean, like recently, a few weeks ago, compared to before, I mean, with this pandemic, uh, one only maybe good thing that it brought up to us is so much less pollution. Mm-hmm. And that's just a fact. And, and, and again, I, when I arrived in Hong Kong, I had headaches. It was difficult for me to um, breathe. And, and my body was coping with so much pollution coming from, um, from London. Mm. And, uh, and then my body got uh, used to it, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, at the same time now, I'm breathing well and I'm like... I'm going to paddle in the sea and I, I, I really noticed that things have changed right, in the recent uh, few weeks. And that's just, uh, again, for someone uh, denying that, I think it's, uh, there's a long run huh, to, to deny that. So it's just a fact. And, and yes, we need to be more uh, conscious of all of this. Right. Open your eyes. And I think uh, to the Londoners that are listening, they'll be like, there's a place on earth that is more polluted than London. <laughs> there is. There, there is. Okay, now, what sustainability question do you think someone really needs to ask you that they haven't asked you yet? Oh, wow. Um, because it's such a, a, a broad topic and, uh, and at the same time, there's so many people now leading the way in, in that respect. Uh, I would have to say beep because I don't know what to answer. Um, <laughs> well, that's good. That means everyone's doing their homework and asking you everything. Yes, yes. I mean, um. Again, I'm not absolutely not an expert and I'm learning on a daily basis and I, I love it. Uh, I love the journey. We've just hired at Vestiaire uh, uh, our first CSO, so Chief Sustainability Officer. Mm. Um, and it's for me, it becomes one of my uh, main daily um, priorities to work with her and, and really um, improve because even if we are... Uh, a sustainable model by heart. I think there's a long way for us as a company to uh, act more sustainably and, and, and drive change. So we're looking at our packaging, we're looking at our transport, we're looking at our energy consumption, being a, an e-commerce company. So, mm-hmm. so uh, I'm super happy and um, to really, really uh, move, try to move the needle at our level. Um, and then also to spread the world and, and work with the government and, and do our own little lobbying uh, in our field. Mm. So we we raise um, our voice and we, we try to um, educate or influence at least uh, the ecosystem. 
Brilliant. Well, bon chance to her, and I hope she, I'm sure she'll do a fantastic job. I cannot wait to hear more about it. Um, now, just a couple more questions before we end with our 13 quick short answer questions. But one, it's kind of um, crystal ball gazing and looking to the future. If you imagine that you could see inside that crystal ball, um, what does the circular economy look like in 10 years' time? Um, it's massive, as in um, it becomes for me um, and for all consumers an obvious choice. So exactly as the car industry right now, once you um, are willing to get a car, uh, you have in mind the two options, um, like from day one. So mm-hmm. you think and you ask yourself, do I need a new car? Am I going to buy a secondhand car? And for me, um, circular fashion is the same. Um, we should aim to have everyone, uh, every consumer uh, asking themselves this question. Mm. And it's fine if they opt for uh, new, because again, it's not about stopping consumption. Mm. But I think um, just by raising that question to before a purchase, it means you're conscious, it means you're um, caring and then you're um, yeah you you're behaving better so um, I hope for for this uh, for the circular fashion in 10 years me too and I think when it comes to shopping in a circular economy it, you know it's not uh, your business model obviously is based on pre-loved and these um, really glorious traditions treasures that someone else has had but they've let go and someone else has found but then there's other ways of having a circular business which is upcycled fashion or something or similar things which is virtually new I mean because it's um, waste materials and so forth so to the people that still don't really understand how pre-loved works it doesn't mean that they still can't um, embrace circularity with their fashion choices Okay, and just one thing. I want to know what items are in your Vestia Collective wish list right now. Oh, la la. <laughs> Let me do it live. I'll open my app. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, um, I am a fashion lover, as you know, and I, I always um, look. Uh, I know you. you're searching for that Chanel bag. Have you found yes. it yet? No, and I, I I love the search. I love the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do I have right now? Um, I have few wallets. I just need to renew my wallet, which is dying. So mm-hmm. I have few wallets in my um, in my wish list, all from Celine. Um, mm-hmm. I always also uh, look at anything old Celine on the platform because that's uh, for me the what Phoebe has created uh, back then was the perfect, uh, most sustainable piece that you will wear forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything I have from her, um, I treasure and I wear for a very, very long, long time. Mm-hmm. So that's my uh, my go-to. What do I have? Yeah, I have a bunch of Chanel bag, but not not quite right, quite the right one. Mm-hmm. Um, what do I have? I have bunch of sandals because as you know living in Hong Kong you need a you need light shoes mm-hmm. um 
what else? Some scarves uh, again uh, to fight the too much air conditioning situation. <laughs> and now I'm starting to have, and that's a new thing. I'm starting to have uh, items for my daughter in my uh, in my wish list because they are starting to enjoy fashion and they want to have a cool pair of sneakers or a supreme whatever t-shirt. Or so now I'm curating a vestiaire for my daughters too, which is. A, <laughs> A triple trouble. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I mean, I would desperately want to go back to my teenage years and have you curating my, my wish list, please. Thank you very much. Okay, now, just to end, we have 13 fun, quick, short answer questions that I will fire at you. Are you ready to go? I am ready. Okay. Um, your home city? Marseille, south of France. Tiny, I mean, small village, basically. Perfect. Uh, your favourite city? London. I lived there for three years. Uh, I'm a fan. Mm. Define your personal style in three words. I didn't make the three words, but I would say easy, chic, with a twist. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> who's your style icon? Don't have one. I have uh, a few. I have Vanessa Paradis, the French singer that I love. I love Sofia Coppola as a person and as a, a style person also. Mm. And a very also smart, um, sustainable girl, which is uh, Emma Watson. Mm. I think they embody for me uh, first a strong personality. Uh, great sense of style and a great uh, less is more attitude. Love it. Um, your tips for a greener or more equitable planet? Uh, start small, uh, one step at a time. Um, uh, starting a journey towards zero waste in my house. And I'm learning on a daily basis to um, not use, um, you know, throw away papers or, or little towels in the kitchen, nothing for my uh, makeup and so on. I mean, as a, as a zero weight. So every single little change you will do uh, will uh, be good for the planet. So Perfect. one thing at a time. Perfect. Um, words to live by or your favorite quote? And this is more. That's my uh, mojo in life. Definitely. Um, what is the favorite aspect of your work? My team, uh, very clearly. I'm lucky to have uh, built in across the world. And I think uh, by working with them and, uh, and being fed by them on a professional and cultural level, that's the best gift, gift as an entrepreneur uh, that you could dream of. What is your favorite drink? Red wine. Mm, ding, ding, me too. As a, as a very French. <laughs> well, it's got to be. The doctor actually told me it's good for me. And you have to listen to your doctor. So there you go. Um, a favorite movie or book? It's a hard one. Um, I would say Les Culottes, which is a, how do you say, bande dessinée in English? Um, Comics, which is a mm. comics um, that I read to my girls when we are the three of us alone in the house. And it's all about stories, short stories of women that made a change, uh, basically, in um, in the world. Uh, so cool. it could be, 
it could be I don't know dancer, sportswoman, an engineer, whatever. And it's it's super snappy short uh, stories that for me um, open the eyes uh, to the girls um, widely on yeah on so many things, including um, uh, strong women. I love that, and they're French. You said. Yes, it's yes. a French author. Yeah. Mm, okay, cool. I shall have to look into it and brush up on my French while I'm at it. Um, three people that you want at your dinner party and why? I would say Pierre Rabhi, uh, which is a French um, environmentalist, very difficult to say, um, is is kind of, um, that guy is a Bible, is, has an, he has an amazing life and is... Um, um, so much culture around around the topic. So I need I first start to read his books, um, but I would love to have him uh, for dinner. Um, the other one would be Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's a first is the my daughter biggest uh, crush <laughs> since <laughs> since she saw the Titanic. Um, <laughs> But also, I think he's doing an amazing work uh, to uh, uh, raise awareness on, on the environmental uh, mm. topic. So uh, Leonardo was second, and the third one is uh, is again is Sofia Coppola. Um, mm. I really admire her for universe, her creativity, but mm. also I think she's a person that is kind of. Uh, feet on the ground she has a, a property a wine uh, how would you say one yard or uh, a vineyard yeah. um, uh, next to my I mean south of France next to uh, where my um, parents-in-law live oh, wow. uh, and I, lo- I love that I love that kind of yeah Hollywood blah 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 but also you know um, hers uh, very grounded on hers and very um, I believe because I don't know her but uh, a lot of values Yes. And I, I love that. Yeah, she seems really cool. She's obviously a genius, yeah. but she also seems very humble and down to earth. I'm yes. Also completely. a big fan. Um, three things always found in your luggage or handbag? Um, to continue on the topic, again, I will say reusable bottle. Um, I always carry a, a reusable bag if I ever stop to, I don't know, grocery shopping or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love uh, also, I carry, this is more for my trips, my um, green beauty product. And I encourage you to look at that brand, which is amazing. It's uh, called On the Wild Side. And it's a, a French entrepreneur who launched that recently. It's it's super, super clean um, beauty. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing formulas, uh, affordable, uh, I think uh, perfect uh, for everybody. So I, I support her, uh, Heidi. Okay, lovely. Thank you. Um, when you're not working, where will we find you? Whether in my kitchen, cooking, uh, or with the family uh, outside, um, hiking or paddling in uh, on the sea in Hong Kong. I think we are lucky to to be able to do that. Yeah, lovely. Um, and lastly, what is your advice for someone looking to improve their understanding of the circular economy? Um, I think the advice would be uh, buy less, buy better. Again, we've said it earlier, but I think it, it kind of um, uh, resumes what the spirit should be um, and also think about the fact that the most sustainable items are already the ones uh, that are in your wardrobe. So treasure them.
Wonderful. Thank you so much for being on Giving a Fuck is the New Black and for giving us your insight. It's so appreciated and it's always a delight to talk with you, Fanny. Thank you, Gita. Thank you for listening to Giving a Fuck is the New Black. Today's show was hosted by me, Joe Lorenz, produced by Lucy Lucraft and brought to you by Conscious Citizen Co. If you've enjoyed today's show, please remember to subscribe via iTunes. And if you'd like to learn more about today's guest or get in touch with me, then please head to our website, ConsciousCitizen.co. Until next time, folks, please consider giving a couple of fucks.